Anakia has an incredible life story and she's only 23 years old. I'm amazed by what she will have accomplished by 93 years old. She was born in Cairo, Egypt as a refugee to South Sudanese parents who were able to move the family to the U.S. Her early life of living on government assistance taught Anak so much about having a thick skin. She and her siblings, who were the older ones, helped to raise the younger siblings while her parents worked hard. Anak talks about all of this in our interview. Education was a main standard in her household, and it was while being a biochemistry student in college that Anak went down to Howard University's homecoming three years ago, where she had her photo taken by a photographer who posted it on Instagram. The next day, Anak woke up with hundreds of followers and calls from modeling agencies. Her life hasn't been the same since. And it was a Prada Autumn Winter 2018 show in Milan that propelled Anak's modeling career, where she opened the show being the first black woman since Naomi Campbell, who had previously opened the show 20 years before in 1997. Anak has walked in many more shows from New York to Milan to London and Paris and has taken part in countless fashion campaigns. We talk about all this and more as well as her taking an active part in making sure fashion is diverse and inclusive. So sit back and enjoy this interview with the intelligent and confident Anak Yai. I've always been interested in biographies and the stories of people's lives. In 10th grade, I read over 30 books of the Kennedy family, not out of obsession, but deep fascination of their commitment to public service. I read so many biographies that I've lost count, and I must say, I get this from my mother. She's always reading biographies. I'm Ali Porti, a fashion journalist and editor of Zayla Magazine. I invite you to sit in on some of my conversations with some pretty inspiring people from around the world on topics of fashion, entertainment, music, and entrepreneurship. Basically, these are conversations from the soulful side of life about topics that will hopefully inspire your life in some way. This is the soulful side of life. I assume you were born during the second uh, uh, South Sudanese Civil War, right? And that maybe as a result, your family went to Egypt as refugees, and that's where you were born. Um, So the question is, there are about 79.5 million refugees in the world. How important is it for the care of refugees and that people should pay attention to issues? I mean, it's it's extremely important because just being a refugee myself, I know the kind of struggles that my own family went through. Um, Just going to a country where you probably don't speak the language, you don't really have money, and you more than likely have kids that you need to raise and take care of. And um, when we came to the, the U.S., I think I was around four or three or four. And um, we happened, we stopped in New York first, but then um, we ended up in New Hampshire because they had the most uh, benefits for immigrants. And then we were given government housing. 
and assistance. And um, I mean, had we not been given that, I don't even know where we would have ended up if we didn't have any assistance. And um, I mean, growing up, I always saw how much the parents struggled and how many, and um, just having assistance alone, um, there's more struggles that build on top of that. Cause like my parents, they will, they were luckily able to find jobs, but um, you had to, they, we, they came with four kids. So my parents would work 12, 16 hour days, almost every day. And um, the kids really have to learn how to be, um, what's that word, independent. Yeah. And um, basically my parents were raising me and my older sisters and then my, me and my sister were raising the younger ones because mm-hmm. you know there's not really many people at home but yeah being an immigrant the the struggles that they face are immense and yeah, yeah. and i imagine that that civil war in south sudan was quite serious um, yeah did you lose a lot of family members yeah a lot of family members um have either passed away or we've been scattered around the world um looking for a safe haven to go to um right now i'm actually finding out about a few family members that I didn't even know I had um, because they're able to find me through um, since I become a public figure they were able to like trace me down and then send me photos of when I was a little kid and we were in Egypt and yeah it's, it's insane like I have family right now in Europe and Australia and basically all over the world wow I mean and out of an unfortunate situation but I guess it's a good positive that you all are getting opportunities for education or like you being one of the world's top models. That wouldn't have happened, I assume, if you had stayed in South Sudan or Egypt. Yeah, I mean, the main goal for every immigrant parent is to find um, education for their kids. And that was what I was basically raised on. I wanted to um, be in the medical field and I worked a lot on my merit and my goal was to end up in a hospital and um, have a doctor's degree. And I'm still, uh, that's still on my plate to do, but of course I can expand more with what I have now. Yeah, that's true. Have you gone to South Sudan at all? I have not been able to go yet, but um, I'm going to go either this year or next year and then go visit my family and go see my village and that's awesome. The only connection that I, I mean, I still have connections in my country, of course, but um, mainly my, my parents have gone back and my sister have gone back and I uh, can see the place through like photos and FaceTime and stuff like that. But yeah, I plan on going home, going back home very soon. When, when you moved to um, New Hampshire, um, were you welcomed there? Was your family welcomed by the um, Americans? I mean, the racism was very in our, I mean, we were welcomed, but of course we were faced with a lot of racism. And um, I mean, I, as I grew up in school, I was always, you know, bullied for my skin color. And um, I kind of had to grow thick skin because mm-hmm. I had to, of course, learn the language and then be able to take care of my little siblings and then go to school and be able to fend for myself. So it kind of made me grow a thick, thicker skin. Yeah, I, you have to as a, 
as a brown person in the Western world, um, for sure. Okay, so then Howard University happened in 2017 uh, and you weren't expecting to become a model and you were a biochemistry student and your life changed overnight. Uh, that was three years ago. So how would you sum up in a few lines going from, going from obscurity to being one of the most sought after models? Um, I don't really know if I can sum it up in a small, concise way, but um, a lot of hard work went behind it. Um, a lot of work behind the scene that no one really sees. But when I first, um, when that photo first went viral, of course, I wasn't expecting it. And then once I got introduced into the industry, um, I could have very easily been a flash in the pan. I'm sure that's what a couple of people were expecting. But once I met with my team, uh, I made it my goal. So I wanted to be a powerhouse in the industry. And then so me and my team, we came together and we came up with like, well, we didn't come up with the plan, but we made like very careful, meticulous decisions in order to get the results that we wanted or that I wanted. And I mean, I was able to position myself in the power in the fashion industry to have a powerful presence and um, be able to work with the top creatives and, at a top level. And um, Prada was basically my entry point to be able to do that. Yeah, and I've got a question um, about Prada coming up, but um, uh, no industry is perfect. So how have you been able to use your influence as a model to better the fashion industry? Um, the industry is very fickle. Mm -hmm. um, every decision has its consequences, whether it be good and bad. But I mean, I've been able to kind of put myself in a position of power where I, um, I mean, I started off with the hair issues and um, I got to a point where I told my, my agent that I refused to straighten my hair and I will either walk a show with cornrows or an Afro. And if not, then I'm not gonna do the show. And that was a really risky move on my part, of course, but um, I got benefits out of it because other black models were able to see that I was able to stand my ground and they also followed. And um, I also made a very big effort to bring black artists and creatives up with me. So like everyone on my team, I make a very good effort to have people of color on my team and working around me and um, in my area, I guess, because obviously the industry had um, issues with racism and not having people of color around. So I definitely, it's always in the back of my head, like I need to bring someone with me instead of being the main person of color alone in the room, of course. That's really great and amazing because, you know, being black, I, you know, when you get blacks together, they'll say we don't support one another and help one another. But I find that there are many blacks in fashion who are trying to lift other blacks up. So that's amazing. And then, okay, Prada happened, which propelled your career, which I find it astounding that it was in 1997, you know, before you came as they were opening their show, there hadn't been a black model since 1997. Um, and they should have worked on that before. But did you feel like that was Prada saying, okay, we know that we need to be more inclusive and we've found this lovely model, Anak, to do this? Or 
Um, when it happened, when I opened the show, I actually had no idea that I was the first black model since Naomi. Um, I found out maybe the next day. And I mean, ever since I've seen, ever since that show, I've, I, me and Prada has um, basically, I don't want to say the other designers followed, but after that show, I saw a lot more um, black models backstage and opening and closing shows. So, I mean, it was a huge stride in terms of compared to the past, which, I mean, there's still um, strides that we still have to make, but it's a positive one. So I'm yeah. always grateful for that. Yeah, it's a really good positive one. And Anna Wintour has been known for putting people of color on the front of Vogue covers. Uh, how does it feel to have been on the front of American Vogue and British Vogue? Um, it was amazing. Uh, when I found out that I was um, gonna be on the cover, I basically told myself not to get too excited because um, of course, uh, when they shoot covers, it's basically a test to see whether or not you'll be on the cover. It's not, it's never guaranteed. Sorry, let me put my phone on. Don't worry. It's never, it's never guaranteed. So even when I was on set shooting it, I was like, I can't believe I'm going to be on the cover of Vogue. And then um, I basically, I didn't, it didn't feel real until it came out. And then I saw myself on the cover with the fiscal magazine. And then I was in such shock and I was so proud of how far I came. And, um, Basically, yeah, me and my team celebrated that night. And yeah, it was amazing. What, has it been hard for your parents? Like I imagine, like you said before, parents want their children to get education first, but mm -hmm. you're, you're making so many gains now as a model. Has it been hard for your parents? Um, at first it was very hard for them because um, I was very, my dad drilled the importance of education into my head. And then, so I was very adamant on getting an education, graduating a doctor's degree. And I would just sit, whenever I would sit with my parents, we just talk about um, school and my grades and what I was going to become. And then, so um, I was, had like tunnel vision in terms of being in the medical field. So then when that opportunity came, it was just, it came to a halt almost. And I just jumped to a completely different field. And my parents were obviously very scared when that happened, especially after I dropped out. I dropped out. They were really nervous. And then um, at first they were, they were fighting me against it. They really did not want me to start modeling. And then um, I basically just took the risk. And then I left home with New York. And then um, once they started seeing that I was able to be successful and hold my ground and my place in the industry. Then they started trusting me more. And yeah, now they're very supportive. Um, in my mom's, my mom's house, she has like photos of like my campaigns all over the house. So yeah, they're very happy about it. And they're just happy that I'm able to have, um, what's it called? Success. I'm able to have like, yeah, success and a stable career. Yeah. Yeah, and as you said, uh, it's on your list to one day go back and maybe finish your degree. But you're bringing so much attention to uh, the importance for the industry to be diverse and inclusive. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, we all have our callings and purposes and maybe you'll become that doctor one day, but this seems also a part of your purpose because being around fashion, I see it 
a lack of in inclusion and yeah. people to speak up about it. Yeah. Um, also, the thing, uh, the, another issue that I always wanted to fight against was that I noticed that whenever Black creatives were introduced into this narrative, it would be solely because they're Black. Then mm. I really did not like that because then um, I want to get to the point where people don't hire other people of color because they're they're black. Yeah. Wait, let me say that differently. I don't. I want to get to the point where people don't hire black people just because they're black. Um, they're also unbelievably talented, and the people, the, the black creators that I've worked with, they were the best in their field. And um, I remember I did a campaign with um, Brother Veli's, mm -hmm. and. Uh, that was uh, an all black team. And when we shot it, it was shot in my apartment, actually. Um, and we it was all done through FaceTime and, and a laptop. And um, a, they sent me their camera to and the photographer is basically standing outside my door, um, yeah. telling me what to do. And when we were when we were coming up with the creative process of the of the campaign, we wanted to make it look like like a professional, because obviously it was gonna, it was me taking the, it was me kind of taking the photos from my apartment. We wanted to make it look like it was taken from my apartment, and we wanted to make it like one of the best campaigns that we've done. And um, when when it came out, I I feel like it kind of showed people that yes, we're black, of course, but we're really talented, and people should focus on the talent rather than my skin color. Yeah, yeah, that's true. To not. I was in a job interview once and um, the head of HR said to me, wow, your people must be very proud of you for all the accomplishments that, <laughs> you know, and when you um, phrase a question that way to a minority, you know, it's, it's still keeping minorities imprisoned or put in a certain spot. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, hopefully fashion will wake up to this and the people at the top well, yeah, correct themselves on this. So you've been really busy during this pandemic time. Um, what have you been working on fashion-wise that's keeping you busy? Um, fashion-wise, I basically been more in touch with my artistic side. Uh, I grew up having, um, I grew up always drawing and painting, um, but I didn't really focus on it too much. And I've always loved fashion. I've always loved styling and um, the creative process. So I've been able to um, creative direct some shoots and style some shoots. And I'm basically expanding my business um, in every sense and showing people my talents. And when it comes out, we'll see how they take it. And I've always wanted to creative direct. So that was like one of the things. But like I've also been... Um, doing stuff in terms of sports. Um, like I've started training in martial arts and um, That's cool. I, yeah, it's really intense. It's very, I do it like five times a week and it's very intense and I have a really great teacher. And um, what else have I been up to? Um, I've been really in tune with my art. Yeah, basically I'm just spending days in my studio, just creating as much art as I can. And um, seeing where that takes me, yeah. Are you a part of any of the digital fashion shows, um, whether it's during New York Fashion Week or Paris Fashion Week that's coming up? Or 
all the um, ones that I've done or the ones that are coming up? Um, well, have you been doing digital fashion shows? Yeah, I've done, um, I've done a couple of digital shows. I did a uh, Saint Laurent. Um, that one was shot uh, in a desert, and then I did I did Prada. I think. Yeah, I did a couple. They're very um, the set now. The sets of photo shoots and shows are so they're so completely like the exact opposite of what it usually is. So like when you're on um, a photo shoot, obviously it's, it's very organized, but there's so many people on set. And now it's like, has, it's like the big um, mass and um, very, a very small amount of people. And then um, for, for, I think the, the biggest difference that I saw was in uh, shows. Cause you know, shows are always very, very chaotic and filled with drama and all this. And um, shows, it's like, You'll, you'll be in a room where it should be like a hundred people and there'll be maybe 20 or something. And then, um, yeah. So like they've dwindled down the numbers a lot. And the issue right now is like traveling with traveling to different shows or done different countries with the COVID guidelines, it's obviously really hard. So basically if I'm going to, if I'm able to go get to the country, then I'll do the show, but yeah, yeah I'm basically being held back by that. Yeah, yeah, as, as are everyone else. Um, what have you learned about like life and the importance of it during this pandemic time? The, like the important things of life? I mean, I really realized the importance of following your passion and um, having being surrounded by good people and the importance of having connections with your friends and family because obviously before COVID um, it wasn't uh, I wasn't really my social life wasn't really there because I was just working 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 and I would talk to my friends and family like once every few months because I'm just busy working all the time and then now um, with the quarantine of course everyone's alone and then of course it had so many it had such a huge effect on people's mental states that it's so important to surround yourself with good, with good people that care about you and at the same time, follow your passion and the importance of art and being able to create. I feel like it's a, it's like kind of like awakened my creative, the creative side of me because before COVID, I was solely focused on like the business aspects and I didn't really get to enjoy my hobbies as much, but now I see the importance of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being able to slow down has been good for all of us. Uh, what would you tell yourself that three years ago when you had that photo taken and the next day you had a whole bunch of follows on social media and model agents calling you, what would you tell yourself? Myself, um, I would tell myself, just go, like don't, I feel because fear held, can hold back so much dreams that you have. So I would just say, just go, have no fear, and the universe will take care of you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's been an honor to chat with you. And yeah, may your career go upwards and onwards. Thank you. For yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Well, have a wonderful night. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode and that you have found a soulful connection to the conversation. God bless you. And until the next episode,
go bless somebody else.